0: We're live.
1: You don't need headphones, do you?
0: No, dude. I don't do professional stuff like that.
1: No, no. But hey, this is uh, the Safe Word Podcast with uh, Jason Rouse. My guest today is Earl uh, Skakel.
0: Skakel, you're uh, one of the few to get it right.
1: And uh, you, uh, I know you here in Los Angeles, and I've never seen you anywhere outside of Los Angeles. That's the way I you're, like to keep it. You're like a fixture.
0: I'm like uh, I'm like Motorhead. I'm underground.
1: I heard. Speaking of, uh, I heard Lemmy's sick again.
0: Well, I mean, he, I mean, my ex-girlfriend manages them okay. uh, to this day, uh, co-manages, and uh, he was sick when we were dating, and that was from like 2000 to 2006. Yeah. So, So, uh, like, I think when we right around when we broke up in '06, he had just gotten a pacemaker.
1: So okay. you know he's. Uh, he look I was at his birthday party. He at the whiskey, and he looked very gaunt. He looked. He looked tired. Well, but you he's know. seventy, and look, he look, what he's done. Oh, it's it, it, people. Insane.
0: Uh, Hendrix uh, guitar tech. Yeah, I mean, Jimi Hendrix guitar tech. Yeah, that's that says it all.
1: Sure, and the longevity and the uh, the the consistency.
0: Yeah, and they, uh, you know, the doctors have basically told him. Don't stop doing whatever you're doing. Yeah. Uh, Wink. Wink, wink. uh, Because in his mind, it regulates his body. Mm -hmm. And to a degree, he's right.
1: What's like the guy who quit smoking and then dies of cancer? Yeah. You go into toxic shock or something like that.
0: So. and he you know they don't sell a lot of records per se so they make their money touring and and t-shirt sales probably
1: yeah merchandise which a lot of bands like you see Ramon shirts like everywhere right like you go into any kind of local shopping mall rock shop and it's like punk rock bands that couldn't get video airplay in in their era
0: yeah i mean they uh you know most people can only really name ace of spades Sure. Maybe, uh, I mean, semi diehard fans could say Killed by Death. I mean, they've got a lot of great songs. Yeah. I, I think their problem is all their songs sound the same.
1: Do you think that? I feel that with ACDC.
0: Yeah, it's the same thing. They're like a, and I mean this in a complimentary way, a less successful version of ACDC. Like,
1: I'll take Motorhead over ACDC any day.
0: You know I'm I as you know I lean more towards the gayer metal poison rat.
1: Yeah, and th- not only that but you're 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 steadfast on it. Like you go to look at this is I I collected everything that I need and I'm not you can show me other things but I'm not I'll, I'll peek, but I'm not I, it's not going to be in my regular airplay.
0: Well, I you know uh I like to be entertained when I listen to music. I don't break it down was wow, this guy's drum solo is that uh, third uh, trifecta beat he's playing is unbelievable. Mm. You know, I just like simple, like Kiss. Yeah. You know. And Would uh, you say
1: there's like probably 30 records that you could have for the rest of your life and that you could be content with that or are you even curious about anything else?
0: Uh, well, you know, I, I do have uh, an eclectic taste in music. Like I love the Cars. Yeah. Which most people wouldn't, most metalheads probably wouldn't. There's
1: some good uh, metal covers of Car songs. It's came out really nice.
0: Yeah, Poison did a, uh, it's the most sacrilege cover I've ever seen of a Car song. Just what I needed, but they did it with no keyboards, which is like it's like doing a Zeppelin cover with no drums. It's like yeah, that's what the Car sound was. The great Greg Hawkes on the keys. <laughs> I mean, not many metalheads can name you one member of the guitar uh the cars yeah. let alone the keyboard player
1: yeah but you grew up in that whole scene
0: the strip yeah and that's probably why to a degree i'm such a fan of it is because i lived it you saw it yeah i mean i any you i lived it's th- a
1: parody now for you i guess for people who come here from other countries and they dress in that that fashion and they're only in their teens you're like it's kind of gotten a little cartoony don't you think I mean, it's this city.
0: It's an air. Or this city is one big human cartoon.
1: (laughs) It's fucking crazy, man.
0: Can you swear on this podcast? I I don't swear a lot, but like, it's it's mine. Well, I figured. You're
1: not lucky you're stepping over my shit on the way in here.
0: This is the first time I've ever really seen you dress like, like, I don't know what normal is, but like, this is an outfit I would wear.
1: Yeah, I have a, a, a gray shirt on, which I like all that's all my dirty laundry there. Black. Everything is black. There's maybe a couple brightly colored underwear. Right. Maybe a, a gray pair of socks or something like that, but everything's black. I have a thing, you know, I've actually had a, a panic attack putting on blue jeans one time. But I can't do it.
0: Yeah, it's yeah. like when Kiss went grunge and started wearing <laughs> jeans. Flannel. Come on, dude. <laughs> Come on, Jean. And I know what time and it you're is. 60.
1: But you call, as much as you love all these guys, you call them out on their shit constantly.
0: Which is why a lot of them like going on my podcast. Yeah. Because, like, like they know I'm a fan, but I. you are familiar. I'm familiar with. uh, But you
1: never played in the band. No, I have no musical talent. Yeah.
0: uh, um, But, you know, back in the day, like, I lived in uh, a part of LA called Bel Air. And, you know, when I tell people that, they. They go, oh, this guy's rich. Uh, it was very lucky that I got to live there because my dad bought the house in the 60s when it was literally just a hillside.
1: Okay. It, it Family was, it heirloom, more or less. But
0: just it wasn't uh, a rich neighborhood. It was
1: upper middle class.
0: Not even that. There was no homes there. It was just a hillside, and my dad was like, well, let's build a house here and then was
1: your dad in construction or he just decided uh, well, i'm gonna buy some property yeah. over here and just put some property
0: we'll live here There's a lot of hills yeah you know all Works. that and then in uh the mid-60s there was a very famous bel-air fire which burned down every home in bel-air but our home what and that's crazy yeah it literally my dad was like on the roof with a garden hose yeah. he's like i'm I'm not losing my house.
1: Oh, so do you? Do you have any recollection of that? I wasn't born yet. Oh, you were born. Uh, That that's that's fucking taking it in your own hands.
0: Yeah, that's what my dad was like. He was like a modern pussy. Modern day Jacques Cousteau. He's telling the firemen to fuck off. Basically, hey, you got to leave, man. We, you know, it's you're gonna be surrounded. He's like, I don't care. Yeah. Uh, And then Bel Air became this, you know, mega mansion. You know. The cheapest home there now is probably three or four million, and yeah. that's a shack. Yeah. So, uh, but
1: like certain places in London are like that. These places right. they've had the full homes there for a hundred years, and now the, a two-bedroom house is like five million dollars just because oh, it's, it's in a, a subway uh, uh, circle. It's insane. Yeah, New I York, mean you know. It's it's uh That's luck of the draw though. A lot of people don't have that. I have a friend who lives in New York and his his mother uh, owns a, one of those sandstones in Brooklyn. Oh, those are big it, Yeah, she's had it for ages, you know, but he goes this this house now is I can't remember how many millions. He goes and it's not really that big. It's just the area and Oh, sure. And the block is is just uh I mean insane. It,
0: it's uh well, it's like I live in West Hollywood now. I I mean, I bought my place. I, I know this isn't like the real estate power hour <laughs> podcast, but like I've almost tripled my money in in fifteen years. But you own a spot. I I, I bought a place right after nine eleven because in about the early two thousands, I was like, well, I'm thirty years old now. You know, I have no credit. Like I
1: yeah, I, I need to anchor myself something financially.
0: I mean, I I didn't have bad credit. I literally had no credit. Like because yeah. I. Cause I've, always paid cash for things uh-huh. any car i bought i would pay cash yeah and uh so i said well i'll, I'll put half down i'll make uh, payments very easy payments that are basically rent mm-hmm. and uh but although i've tripled my money i can't move anywhere because every place no, else you're is boxed in yeah it's like yeah I've you know i bought it like 350 it, it's my place is probably close to a million dollars if it's a hot market yeah but every place around me is More than a million. So it's like I've tripled my money, but it's almost like having a big dick and you can't use it.
1: Yeah, but New York, uh, the boroughs and stuff are like that. Once they get in there, no one wants to leave because it's impossible to find a place to live. Yeah, it's... I mean, People will live anywhere in New York. Oh, yeah. It's like a shoebox.
0: I mean, West Hollywood's not not quite as bad as New York, but once you're in there, you don't want to leave because you know you'll never get back in.
1: Do you work out in West Hollywood?
0: I go to two gay gyms.
1: <laughs> do, do you have cold? I was thinking, Do you have cold showers to get your dick as small as possible, yeah, or do you like hog out? And I mean, I try and as hard as you can. Well,
0: one time I, you know, I'm 47, and <laughs> and, and you know, <laughs> every now and then I need to take an enhancement pill to like, you know, just get things going. And so this girl said, hey, I'm coming over. So, I, you know, she's like 20. So I was like, well, I better take one of these. Just to
1: get my cock all jacked up for the party. Well, you know, get it
0: ready. And uh, so I took it, and she calls me up, and I, she said, oh, I can't Kansas. come over. So I'm like, well, <laughs> I'll just go to the gym. And so I'm working out in the in the in one of the gay gyms, the seedier one. Did you uh, ever been cornered? All of a sudden, I started getting hard. So here I am in the gayest gym in the city with a huge boner.
1: <laughs> Looking for a hug. Yeah, it's just this a real. This never happens. I'm afraid. Hold me. Yeah,
0: suck it. And then Dog the Bounty Hunter came in. and then <laughs> This black dude. This is right around those tapes. <laughs> oh. When those tapes aired.
1: After or before?
0: Uh, maybe a couple months after. Fuck. And this black guy was running around the gym like, you know, Tom Cruise had just walked in. And he looks at me and goes, dude, will you take a picture of me and Dog? Oh. And I'm like, uh, I'm even did the you news. hear what he said about you guys?
1: <laughs> I know.
0: So I took the picture.
1: I, My, uh, I, was, I was dating this girl, a black girl. She, and uh, we, she had a membership at Equinox. And um, Mel Gibson was like giving her the eye, like smiling and shit. She's like, Mel Gibson, I go, I don't think he's, he has the best intentions, sweetheart
0: yeah with, with your race <laughs> yeah. well i go to equinox too yeah they're nice this well the cd or gym i went to and i still have the membership because it's cheap it's 24-hour fitness which is on santa monica and basically la cienega for you uh locals mm. uh, but for you uh I, mean, I know you have a worldwide audience it's basically the gayest part of town you can't get any gayer than santa monica and la cienega
1: no potentially one of the gayest places in the world
0: well, I live on a street called Larrabee. Uh, I don't know why I'm giving out my actual street, but
1: <laughs> You're looking for work. The yeah. What glory hole are you working down uh, there? The subway one?
0: No, uh, it's two alleys to the left of <laughs> Larrabee on <laughs> <laughs> What would your what
1: would you, okay, if you let's speak I But Larrabee
0: that. is like the gayest street in the world. Mm. Like in terms of like it's in between <laughs> the two biggest gay nightclubs. So after two AM on Larrabee, it's it's like a gay version of the wire. It's <laughs> like you got you know, it's just the Wild West.
1: If you had to work a glory hole at gunpoint, what would you have painted on the on the other side?
0: Uh, Gene Simmons' tongue. <laughs> uh, no, Gene Simmons' mouth with the tongue, and I would just put my dick through the hole. <laughs> what the fuck? There's a dick coming out of his mouth.
1: <laughs> would you, like, staple a wig over it or something? Or?
0: I, you know, i be honest with you, uh, Jr., I haven't put this much thought into it. <laughs> Because <laughs> it's a situation. It's a scenario that probably will never happen.
1: Well, you know, they could go broke. It's They'd, possible. They're running out of merchandise.
0: No, they'll ma- never.
1: <laughs> That's a, that, that machine has got no brakes.
0: Well, you know, I think there's going to be four black guys in Kiss one day. And, <laughs> you know, no, it's, Tambourines. It, it's really the perfect. Uh, you know, I, they're probably my favorite band along with Rat. And uh, in some ways. I just, you know, I met Gene Simmons recently, and, uh, you know, he's a buffoon, but he owns it. Like, he's like, yeah, yeah, I put my name on anything.
1: He's the Donald Trump of music.
0: Yeah, and he, he's like, I appreciate that he owns it. Like, there's some people, like, maybe Lars from Metallica, who, uh, uh, you know, portrays himself as probably a little smarter than he is. it's still brilliant. I mean, you make that much Danish. money. But, I mean, you know, Gene's like, yeah. I'm a fucking, yeah, advertising. Our maniac. T-shirts are over there, cry, yeah, crying. Yeah, go you, next. You hate my band? You now go buy the CD. Yeah, that you know it's a greatest hits CD that we basically just changed the order of the songs, and you're still gonna buy it. They have like 18 greatest hits albums. Yeah, all specially packaged, and they're literally the same songs. They just move them around, so you think it's a new album.
1: There's a few bands that do that repackaging old albums and and yeah. I mean
0: AC/DC. Just uh, I bought it, of course, on iTunes. You could. But it's the
1: uh, it's the collector's piece. You know, all the content is relatively the same. Yeah. But the packaging is what, and it's usually just cardboard and some horseshit. Well, what these bands don't
0: like realize is, like Kiss put out a box set, which I was responsible for having one song on. I take great pride in that. I was at Jerry's Deli one night with my ex-girlfriend, and uh, we walk in, and Paul Stanley and the guitar player that they dress up as Ace now. <laughs> That's it's like, fucked up, isn't it's it? It's like the Jewish same menudo. Is it? It's, his <laughs> name's Tommy Thayer, and he's a great guitar player. Uh-huh. I mean, he...
1: Is he the same age, or he must be younger? Uh,
0: Tommy Thayer's probably in his early 50s, uh, maybe 51, and... Uh, he was a. Who still
1: has the hair to audition for a band like that in Tommy. the fifties? Well, he, Tommy he, lucked
0: out. Uh, you know, he, what was
1: his previous bands?
0: Well, that's the great. Th- well, he was in an eighties band called Black and Blue, which uh, should have been a lot bigger. I mean, they just. Uh, that's the crazy thing about that era is why some bands made it, some didn't, um, and they were really good. They were on. They had four albums on Geffen Records. Hey,
1: look at Anvil. That's a perfect example.
0: Well, they, I could understand why they didn't make it from the standpoint of they were not a good looking group. No, no, no. I mean, they look... Hockey players. They look like (laughs) hockey players fucked an Amber Alert lineup. (laughs) (laughs) And now in the 70s, they would have made it on their looks. Yeah. In the 80s, when you had guys like, uh, you know, that time, Rat, Poison looked like four Playmates uh you know yeah, bon jovi uh, yeah, cinderella yeah, yeah, yeah. striper
1: it was soft and sexy air
0: i mean you look at the drummer from striper robert sweet he looks like farrah fawcett any great drummer but uh <laughs> guys who look like anvil was just
1: <laughs> yeah it's a tough sell
0: but he was in black and blue and uh, you know they had four albums on geffen which is a you know geffen records was like the label mm-hmm. and uh and then you know, Gene produced a couple of their l- later efforts. It didn't happen, and then.
1: Do you still go to the shows, even though you've you've been around it? You oh. do you know it in you know the band inside out. Do you still go for the spectacle of it, or?
0: Um, with Kiss, I'll go if I can get free tickets.
1: But there's who wants to go to a rock show where there's fucking families? I really don't find the what nothing cool is going to happen at a show, where there's just some kid with a, a, a salted pretzel with a Kiss shirt on. Well, I. No one's getting sucked off at that show. What? The, you
0: got to have a little bit of game. There's no show I can't get sucked <laughs> off in. I'm going to see Steven Piercy what? at the whiskey this Saturday. What
1: was the the, the Sunset Strip heyday Like with a lot of people getting sucked off in the bathrooms?
0: I, you know,
1: it, it's like trying... Alleyways?
0: To explain the strip in the 80s is... It's like trying to explain the Empire State Building to a blind person. There's nothing you can tell them that's going to really make them picture it. Uh, It was just like an ant farm of horny people, and the girls were better looking than the next one. Uh, The the guys uh, were just as good looking as the girls, uh, and there was no... uh, myspace or facebook or twitter yeah. or instagram very so very interactive
1: yeah. i i'd come here for the first time in 2001 i think i saw the tail end of it and i was blown away like friday saturday night, bumper to bumper cars like and that was nothing million dollar fucking cars one after another it, it looked like the strip club it looked like the doors blew off of it it was just yeah. all the girls looked like hookers and that was in
0: 2000 i mean in the 2001, scene yeah the, the The 80s scene really died off around 91. It
1: must have been in Mardi Gras.
0: I mean, in the 80s, because uh, people, like, the only reason I brought up why I grew up in Bel Air is because to go to any parties in the Hollywood area, I would have to drive through that. So I would make a left from where I lived and drive on Sunset. And t- to drive through it was like, I, I mean, it, it, it's just unlike yeah. I I still can't Carnival. properly explain it to people because uh, there's no scene like that today. Uh, no. Um, well, look at the
1: House of Blues. Look at Dublin's. That, yeah. That's been an empty nightclub for, what, 10 years now?
0: And that was the thing. I yeah. mean, you also had the nightclub scene jamming. Comedy was jumping. Comedy, Jay I mean,
1: had his show. Did you go down to Dublin's? I
0: did Dublin's, uh, I guess you'd say, toward the tail end of its prime. Mm. Um, and it was awesome. And uh, That
1: was that... That uh, place was on fire.
0: Well, that used to be a place you talk about getting your weenie whacked. Yeah, uh, it I had was a,
1: packed full of hogs.
0: But before then, <laughs> I had the best scheme ever because <laughs> across hip, a snow. no, 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 dude, I've never had to get a girl drunk or drugged up to fuck daddy, <laughs> especially <laughs> once they see the dick picture. Let's uh, follow me on Twitter at Earl Skakel. I'll send it to you. No, guys. Sorry, guys. <laughs> there, uh, across the street, was a place called Roxbury. hot Hottest nightclub in town.
1: That's where Jay Davis was a bartender, wasn't he? Uh,
0: um, I could see that. I'm not exactly sure, but I could believe that. Uh, I met Jay when he was the backdoor pool guard at uh, La Mondrian, Is where Sky Bar was. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but... Back in the '80s, Roxbury was like the end nightclub. Every the whole cast from 90210 would yeah. go there. I would go there in sweatpants and grind girls on the <laughs> dance floor, what? so I could come. <laughs> it was great, and the door guys what? all knew me
1: because I. How were you getting into the Roxbury with the or with Roxy? R- uh, the Roxbury. Roxbury with track pants on. Did you know people? Well, here's the thing: you're a local kid, but at the same time, they're like. You can't come into this spot with track pants on.
0: Well, I live a very uh, amazing life from the standpoint of I'm not a celebrity, clearly. Uh, When you're going on at 1 a.m. tonight at the Comedy Store, you're not a celebrity. But uh, I, before I did comedy, ran with a real dark group of people. They were all agents and managers at the topest level. You couldn't get any higher than this group, about seven or eight of them. In music, and In uh, comedy. In or com- not uh, in Hollywood. Uh, more acting than comedy. Yeah. And, uh, I, I've never had a drug or drink so in my life. So red carpet shit. Red carpet. And I VIP was... back door through the e- kitchen. Yeah, never I had... nice
1: to see you, blah, blah, blah. Next.
0: Never had to pay for anything. Yeah. Uh, got into the hottest clubs. ahead of celebrities. Table service. Yeah. I mean, whatever we wanted, it was and ours. And you never
1: drank or did drugs or any of that stuff.
0: Well, that's why I was around. Cause, yeah, uh You were I a d- liability. Never had a drug or drink in my life. Uh, I, um... And then uh, I was a pretty big guy back then, so they wanted me around to drive, and, and you know, in case any trouble broke out. I we
1: were in like a Ocean Pacific tank top and uh, yeah, about twenty pounds heavier.
0: I mean, I looked uh, all muscle, sh- like a flat top type. Uh, I, I had some wacky hairstyles back then. <laughs> uh, let's just say that, um, and so we didn't have to worry about dress codes. Yeah. So I would go to. Uh, He's
1: eccentric. He's with John. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. oh,
0: that's Earl. What's up, Earl? Hey, what's up, jean Philippe? And then I'd go to the dance floor, and you know, I've I've always been pretty good with girls, uh, and so I'd just grind on a girl until I came. <laughs> and then, the, but the best part was, I'd walk around the rest of the night with gray sweats and a huge load spot.
1: Black light comes down. Yeah. Hey guys. And your what's white up? track pants.
0: <laughs> but uh, across the street from Roxbury.
1: <laughs> Used to be a. Did you ever get called on that? No. How many strokes would you get in before you could pop? Yeah, a couple songs. Couple songs. You're grinding out the old hubcap. on And they know what I'm ass.
0: doing. You know, they feel my boner, and then, <laughs>
1: they
0: know what you're doing. you know, they 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 knew it. they were in for the They're drunk face in the wrong way. They were in the e-ticket ride. Uh, but across the street, before Dublin's was Dublin's, it was a place called Carlos and Charlie's it was a nightclub. And then, uh, but at midnight on Friday and Saturday, it would become Chippendales, and if you could be one of the first five guys in there, it's all girls, hundreds of girls in there, not one Hot.
1: fucking. I mean, you Some know. Some male strip clubs. It's, you see the dump trucks that go rolling in? Oh, there. animals! I mean, you think <laughs> oh, you're watching that? Louis Anderson with yeah. a wig. Yeah. Oh, is that Uncle Buck? You think? <laughs> You think you're watching that pigs.
0: Chris Christofferson movie, Convoy? Oh, well,
1: I hope those straw on the floor—they look like they're kicking up shit.
0: But, <laughs> but <laughs> if you could be one of the first five guys in, you'd get raped. I mean, because yeah. these girls were so worked up. They were usually bachelorette
1: parties. Uh, my you know. my buddy worked as a waiter at a strip club in my hometown, and his shirt would be ripped. He goes, "These," I goes, "I'm spilling drinks." They keep grabbing my dick, and I'm fucking yeah. dumping all my drinks. He goes, "It's not." I'm like, "I'm scared." Oh, like it's they're, unbelievable! They're, they're so aggressive,
0: and so me and my buddy—I'll uh, just uh, change.
1: But then I whip my dick out in a coffee shop, and I'm an asshole. I
0: know. I whip, wick, m- wick. I whip mine out. <laughs> I wick mine out at the comedy store most nights, and it's you like, oh,
1: banned for two days.
0: No, <laughs> that's the crazy thing. I've got more spots.
1: <laughs>
0: I sent my dick pic once to Jeff Richards, great comic. Uh, yeah. Oh, uh, Malala. Saw him
1: a couple of days ago. He's he's been on the show.
0: Oh, he's hot. I mean, he uh, got me my first couple really good gigs yeah. in, in the business, so I owe him a lot. And uh, he asked me once what my ex girlfriend's vagina looked like. I don't know, you know, I still kind of liked her at the time, so I was like,
1: <laughs> and he knew it. I was like, that's. <laughs> that's it, Jeff it, would say that without even smiling. Like no. Is it like a kidding thing? He really would like to know. He
0: loves pressing buttons, and yeah. I was like, that, he knew I still liked her. I probably still loved her at that point. <laughs> And uh, I was like, "That's <laughs> fucked up, man." So I sent him my dick pic. I'm yeah. like, "Oh, this is what it looks like." He's at the improv, as he gets my dick pic, shows it to one of the female managers.
1: Yeah, because that's it's Earl's hog.
0: Yeah, and mysteriously, about two days later, I got a spot at the improv. So no shit, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I mean,
1: I hey, literally. We're all hookers in this town. Well, you know that? If I, you got to show, you've shown your piece for a gig once or twice. Well, like Mac Davis said in the uh, great
0: football movie North Dallas Forty, we're all whores. We just got to be the best we can be.
1: Oh, you got to get your asshole bleached.
0: I'm not sure if I'm going to go that level, but uh, (laughs) so let's just say Carlos and Charlie's was very. I mean, and that was more the '90s than the '80s. uh, Was it upstairs
1: where the comedy was? Yeah. Oh, okay. So you know, you just super narrow staircase, and you you got drunks falling down. It's like it's it's two people. If I remember, it was tough like if somebody's a little wider than the average person you were stumbling around them to get through but it was just like I was really
0: lucky to not be a celebrity and and just to I've been to the wildest parties on earth and what
1: what eyes wide shut shit have you seen
0: I mean I once went I want I don't want to say the guy's name because you know you know he was a very well-to-do family in LA I mean Dom DeLuise uh, You know, I'm not going to give away who he is, so don't ask. But I'm just saying, uh, if you watch Fox News, you might have heard this family's name here and there. Um, And part of his last name rhymes with cock. And where you park your boat (laughs) is a dock. Uh, I I I went to a party at one of uh, this family's, I don't even know, homes in the Bel Air and... uh, there was like a gangbang that broke out, and I, did, I got uncomfortable.
1: What do you mean? Was this, was this something that was kind of done at a party where people were drinking, getting fucked up, or yeah, we, just we, these people were just down the fuck all the time? We
0: were at a nightclub, and uh, someone said, hey, there's a party at so-and-so's house in Bel Air, and I'm like, oh, I know where that is. It's right by where my house used to be. Uh, and so to show you how nice this home was, we got lost in the driveway. Fuck. I mean, it was that big. And to take it another level, uh, w- we pull up to what I thought was that main house. And we're in this beautiful, Jesus.
1: Uh, beautiful room. And I'm like, wow, this house is amazing. Well, first and foremost, you've lived in a really upscale place of Los Angeles. And now you're talking about a home. That whole area is full of these man. So this place must have been spectacular.
0: Well, it, I, I say to the guy next to me, I'm like, wow, this fucking home is amazing. He's is like, home. This is the pool house. <laughs> We were in the pool house, and I thought it was part of the. I mean, yeah. the, like literally the first like hundred inch, two hundred inch, whatever it was, television I've ever seen in my life. Uh, the bathroom looked like as good as any Palace. master bathroom you'd ever see. Yeah. Uh And uh, th- then more people were showing up, and this stripper prostitute type. No
1: one's policing these. People. No, it's a just free range. No security.
0: Tits. It was just you know if you knew this guy. Then you were trusted you know enough. You were, if, yeah. So uh, Fuck. and uh just uh, like five or six guys started to hang out <laughs> with this one girl, and I'm like, I'm I'm out, man. I, Why? I'm I'm uncomfortable uh, seeing. But these this. were your friends. Yeah, and so I'm like, guys, I'm out. I, I I'll see you tomorrow. There was no Uber back then, so I don't know how they got. I took home. your rollerblades and your beatbox. Beep- <laughs> I took my bright red BMW 318i and I hightailed it. So, you know,
1: did you just walk in and somebody banging in a room?
0: No, it started in the no, it just started out in the open where people were doing a little bit of booger sugar and and drinking. And this girl was like, you know, she was into it, but I just wasn't comfortable watching this at the moment.
1: But you watch pornography. You just not really eye contact.
0: I don't like watching porn. I know it looks like like making it. Well, I mean, it looks like I produce it, but I actually (laughs) don't like it. It's the close ups to me, don't. Yeah, like I look, and you
1: you know most of those people, you've run into them on occasion.
0: I see Ron Jeremy a lot, and uh, you know I met Jack Napier, who is like the biggest dick in porn, great guy. Uh, But uh,
1: porn's just never been my thing. The close-ups, just the girls. Yeah, but there's subgenres. You don't always have to go with fucking hate fuck. No one, max hardcore. That my buddies. Oh fuck that I Oof, ran with, I call that Gatorade. Yeah, that, <laughs> that thing that cleans my palate, that that <laughs> that <laughs> destroys my palate. It's <laughs> such a that's full on. Where it, where's a, a young lady in her life drinking? What was she drinking out of her asshole? You
0: know, <laughs> I, I, I I let's go to the video clip. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I can't. Uh, it's outrageous. Like, I'm, I just want to be held. Yeah. Well, I just want some big tits. You, you know, like big I mean, jugs, big jugs. That's what a my toilet. Bed. Well, I mean, I just need the big jugs, but
1: so have a few friends. Everything else could be a full-on like nuclear meltdown. But if the tits are there, they don't give a fuck. That's more where I lean towards.
0: But you know, I've also dated girls uh, who have had no uh, boobies, and they were beautiful to me. So yeah. it's just uh, boobs to me. It's it's just a visual, you know, nothing like a nice pair of boobs and like a tight shirt or sweater. It's like. I mean, really, what can you do with them other than squeeze them? But yeah, you know, it's just a—it's like a big dick, you know.
1: Make them into lampshades.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, well, me and Buffalo Bill do have similar taste in women.
1: Yeah, is it?
0: Is she a great big fat person. <laughs> <laughs> oh wait,
1: is that is that your favorite movie or Trick or Treat? Remember Trick or
0: Treat? Trick or Treat with Gene Simmons and Ozzy Osbourne. I have a weird taste in movies. Like, but probably my favorite movie of all time is. Uh, and it has something to do with the porn industry. Uh, it's a movie with Roy Scheider and Ann Margaret called 52 Pickup. And uh, it came out in 86. And why this movie wasn't bigger, uh, it's still amazing. I was talking last night with someone about this movie it, uh, produced by John Frankenheimer, legendary director. It's an Elmore Leonard novel. Uh, and uh, the bad guy in it is an uh, actor by the name of John Glover. And... It's the best bad guy role ever. He just really... Basically, the plot is uh, Roy Scheider and Ann-Margaret are married. Uh, John Glover and two uh, other funny bad guys uh, are blackmailing him because they had him on tape fucking Kelly Preston, John Travolta's wife.
1: What uh? What year is this? 86. And, and was it, it called?
0: It's called 52 Pickup. All right. And every person I've turned on to this movie is like, I love it. Uh,
1: you you go to you still go to concerts and stuff too.
0: I went to one last week. I sat hey, front no, row.
1: Oh, what did you go see?
0: At uh, Motley Crue and Alice Cooper. Ah. I mean, uh, uh, front row where I could. I've never sat this close before at a concert. I mean,
1: did you go alone or?
0: I went with a very funny comic, Olivia Grace, mm-hmm. who's like the queen of roast battle, which is like the hot show in L.A. Yeah. And my friend plays for Alice Cooper. She's.
1: Uh, yeah, you had her on your show.
0: She, yeah, she. Uh, her name's Nita Strauss. She's badass. She she looks like a Hooters girl, but she can hold her own with any guitar player on earth. Yeah, she's amazing. Yeah, um,
1: she, see, I listened to that episode, and uh, she seemed a really cool person. And she hooked you up with front row. That's no, funny. I bought them. No, oh, you I, bought. Em.
0: I bought. I won't. I'm embarrassed to say what I paid for them. And yeah, uh, I also bought the meet and greet for Alice Cooper after, which was really cool. And he was v- amazingly nice. Did he hang out for a while? You get to go yeah. up, say hello. He basically picture? got to ask him one or two questions. There were yeah. only like twenty people, so you know he was really cool. And uh, uh, yeah, Olivia yeah. loved meeting him because she loves Alice Cooper. She's only twenty, but she has a musical taste of someone who's forty. Yeah, uh, old soul in that. Concert. Yeah, absolutely. And so he was really nice to her. And then I. Asked him a few d- real deep questions.
1: How did he, did he raise an eyebrow and go? He did. Cause go you know, on I'm listening. Oh, you get. It. I'm sure he's been mo- around forever. Most
0: he, people are like, oh, how I Slayer fans
1: feel or Slayer the band Slayer. They get bummed by, ah, oh, right, all day.
0: Yeah, and like, so you come in with something. I come in out of left field with, hey, Mr. Cooper, nice to meet you. Oh, you know, what do you you have anything for me to sign? Yeah, yeah. He's like. Uh, and, uh, what's up? And I'm like, oh, hey, man, you going to write another song with Desmond Child? You know, and his eyes lit up. Like, <laughs> oh, this guy's, like, he's a fan. He's but deep. Were you going to have Kane Roberts play on another album? You know, that was a big fucking muscle Yeah, down. yeah, I remember that. Didn't he have a machine gun guitar? Yeah, the machine too? gun guitar. He like Rambo. You. Yeah, that's... <laughs> he,
1: was fucking, he brings in a guy, dresses up like Rambo, to play... And the guy could shred, too. Oh, yeah, he was like... He, you he know, was jacked.
0: He was like, literally, uh, if you... Uh,
1: you think he was doing Juice?
0: Uh, you know, I think he's admitted to it. Uh, he was probably... Uh,
1: 380 250 the guitar, 260
0: <laughs> and he had this <laughs> one of his guitars was a
1: r- so small literally he's huge
0: a machine gun guitar yeah. uh that's uh blew out fire yeah. and uh yeah he's actually quite the accomplished player but he mm-hmm. never really got credit because you know he, a lot of those guys you know like the guy from poison cc dev well, hired guns you know
1: Michael Jackson's guitar player. Wade yeah. Had, uh, Slash uh, and who else was the other
0: Orianthe, guy? uh She's another yeah. uh, female. Uh, I might be saying her name wrong. She was actually in Alice Cooper before Anita. Uh, you know, but like CC yeah. C. DeVille from Poison, he's a classically trained guitar player, but he's you know, s- sick. Probably sold out. No, that's uh, Ricky Rocket. Ricky Rocket. The Rock drummer has uh, throat
1: cancer. He was really into uh, skateboarding.
0: Yeah, he's, uh, and he makes his own drum kits. You know, he, uh, I mean I'm sure he makes most of his money from poison but like he's got side businesses that
1: I remember he had he wore those Vision Streetwear shirts yeah. and stuff and uh and he they had w- I think one of the first poison videos there's some John Lucero was a skateboarder in that poison video.
0: Yeah yeah I think it was uh I, um the one where they're skateboarding by the pool and they jump off into yeah. it. Uh
1: I vaguely remember. Yeah it's it wasn't uh, my thing you know I, I I kind of came up on 80s hip hop and more uh, like thrash metal and stuff like that. And then when the glam stuff came out, my high school was not having any of that. You know, it was uh, gangster rap, uh, Metallica, ACDC, Led Zeppelin. You know, that was it. And and, and some other, uh, you know, motorhead shirts and things in the mix. But to come in there with teased hair and anything, like you wou- you would be destroyed.
0: I mean, it was kind of like that in my high school, but it was a little more varied. Like, you had the Iron Maiden shirts, the Motorhead, and then, you you know, because there was a few, there was a big rock club in the valley uh, called uh, the Country Club, mm-hmm. and uh, I think it's now like a Mexican church, but uh, huge bands played there. Poison played there. Oh. Is, there, is
1: it down the street? It's on Reseda. Uh, it's in Reseda. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, where the, the best fish taco is at the end of the street? I think it might st- be. Okay. Um, if I remember correctly. But somebody was telling me to go that building there had some of the best shows.
0: I mean, you had uh, Warrant play there. Uh, Rat played there. I mean, any... I don't know if Bon Jovi played there because they were more East Coast, but... Uh, any big band uh, that ma- made it in L.A. played there. Were they
1: filling the venue? Was it getting packed? Or? Oh, it was
0: beyond packed. And You know, Motley Crue. Uh, uh, Guns N' Roses? Uh, they might have played there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and then you... You know, really what started the whole music scene, and this guy never gets any credit, and he's the guy. If you've ever seen, someone
1: will do a documentary about him eventually. They're I would love on, to. Uh, did you see the CBGBs uh, documentary? Yeah, yeah, it was great. I thought it was fantastic. And then I see on a news feed that they're opening up uh, CBGBs in an airport. In an airport. <sighs> How rude! <laughs> it's just you know I. <laughs> uh, I hope so. But I'm you've fine. seen some of your holy ground of your youth completely disgraced. Well, I mean the club The House of Blues, were you sad about that? Like look at there's a mall going up, you see it slowly it's eating its way all the way up to the whiskey and the rainbow. Oh what's and then after that it's not what are you gonna do, boutique patio restaurants and shit?
0: I mean what you know, I walk my dog every day uh by one of the most influential corners in the history of music and uh Starbucks there. Well, if you ever seen the movie Boogie Nights yeah. Uh, that There's that scene at the end where they rob the guy up in the hills. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, that was modeled after a guy by the name of Eddie Nash. Uh, Eddie Nash, a uh, Palestinian business guy, came out here in the 50s, owned a hot dog cart on Hollywood Boulevard, started selling coke, and became probably the number one drug dealer on the West Coast. He owned like seven nightclubs in L.A. And they were all varying... Uh, Theme, gay nightclubs, underage clubs. Had his uh, hand in everything. And he made money at everything. And he had a club on the corner of Santa Monica and Crescent Heights in the late 70s, early 80s called the Starwood. And it's literally where Van Halen and Quiet Wright got their start. And uh, people... It's now a Russian deli. Yeah. And... cheap trick played there uh, it, but he had he would have so many different like the punks uh the germs and the cramps yeah. would play there and then the next night Dawkin would be there and then the n- night motley crew when they were london
1: the best international acts yeah
0: it wasn't just like
1: up and coming or uh, um would, would well, would hold uh, 300 bu- people or up and
0: coming i mean yeah. uh i mean it was just an unbelievable scene. I mean, Van Halen and, and, you know, Quiet Riot for a while was their competition in L.A. And people laugh when they hear that. They're like, Quiet Riot? Yeah.
1: Well, it's a joke. In America, but like, we've had these conversations before. In Europe, they'd be like, cool.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, Quiet Riot is, uh, you know, the reputation as being kind of like a one-hit wonder with Come On, mm-hmm. Feel the Noise. And uh, But before then, when Randy Rhodes was in them, you know, he was seen as Eddie Van Halen's competition. Yeah, and uh, of course, he died early. You know, in the early '80s, so we never really got to you know see that rivalry grow. But uh, you know, they were huge in LA, and and mm. Van Halen would play there. And and uh, have you seen Van Halen live in the '90s or? I mean, I've seen them once about three years ago at Staples Center, and uh, it was with Cool in the Gang opening, which I thought was, uh, pardon the pun, cool. Because <laughs> uh, David Lee Roth was a huge fan. Yeah. And I guess the rest of the band were like, hey, you know, we want to. Yeah. I don't know wh- exactly what they said, but I'm sure it was like, you know, they're not really our market. We, we want to bring like a metal band or whatever. And they're like, but if you want them, you have to pay for them. Yeah. And so he paid for them to be on the whole That's tour. Cool. And they went over. As good as any opening band, I've been, I've been to a thousand concerts. It can
1: go bad, and you've probably have known that from live shows yeah. where people go, fuck yeah. you. No, nope. next. They killed it. Yeah. Because you kind of forget. How hard many, sell to a room full of dr- angry drunks.
0: Well, it was the only time I think there's been more than uh, three black guys at a Van Halen concert. <laughs> <laughs> and they killed it. I, yeah. could you forget. I mean, you can't ignore talent. I remember once I saw Grand Funk Railroad in concert because my friend who used to be in KISS plays guitar for them now. And you kind of forget how many hits they have. It's not just we're an American band. It's Mm -hmm. like, oh, wow, they have that hit and that hit. And in the Gang is very similar. You're like, it's not just celebration. Um, And so the crowd was just loving it. And then Van Halen comes out. And
1: boom. And it's kind of the quiet before the storm because it has nothing to do with what Van Halen's doing. Yeah. I and love that. I and do think it's contrast. Smart. But, I mean, it was
0: kind of sad because, like, Eddie played great. I mean, it's worth it just to go see him play. I mean, he is our Hendrix. Yeah. Uh, but David Lee is Roth. He, did he
1: have a Coke problem for a bit? I,
0: you know, his he's had a f- bouts with, uh, you know, different substances. His, his
1: wife seems quite nice. He Which seems one? I mean. With the one from. Uh, Valerie Bertinelli. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... That show was a mess. One day at a time. Can you imagine how bad that must have stunk, the pussy, on set?
0: Yeah, but her pussy knows talent, because before Van Halen, she was boning Spielberg. She was fucking Spielberg? Yeah, so her pussy should be a judge in a talent show. Fuck, X Factor. Yeah, the excrement factor. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But uh, David Lee Roth... Is she single now? Uh, I think she's remarried, but I think they get along now. Like, there was a time when I don't think they were... uh, You you know, uh, yeah, uh, quite uh, you know, getting along like maybe when he was in the Van Hagar era, but uh, you know, David Lee Roth, it's like he doesn't really sing the songs anymore, it's more like spoken word, yeah, and he looks like Carol Channing. I mean, he's (laughs) so gay, (laughs) which is fine because I don't think he's gay. Like, I've had this argument with people, like, some people are from the school,
1: Paul Stanley. Paul Stanley,
0: he's these two are the ones I use this argument with, because there's hardcore people out there like you've called. Have you
1: had, have you called it out before it's gone public before?
0: Well, I think with Paul and Dave, you think it's going to much calling out. (laughs) I mean, you know, uh, but there are people from like the Dice Clay school. Who you were in his special, which I loved, Showtime. See how I plug your shit? Thanks, pal. That's a podcasting pro there. (laughs) You, the twins, Eric Myers, Eleanor. It was great. Ah. That's great.
1: You've seen, I remember when I'd first come to Los Angeles and seeing Dice in the original room. Oh, he's great. It's fantastic. I was blown away. And I think, I don't know, I think that's the first time I had run into you because you are like the house sniper, like right. you have a, a a handful of people that you have a rapport with. Well, you'll say, "Oh, uh, people don't know they're fucking from Holland on holiday," and you're asking them, "Show us your cunts!" <laughs> and you know, all this <laughs> terribly, terribly hurtful things. Well, you and know, the general public does. I die laughing. I'm in the know, but you say the meanest shit, and the, and it goes like, sh- uh, "What do you call it when you fire missiles sure. over?" I mean, and you know.
0: Well, the comedy store is unlike any club. Uh, I've never been to the cellar in New York, but they say that's very comedy store-like. Yes, ish, in I, a compact kind of way. I don't know what, what you know. Uh, the
1: store is a Bermuda Triangle of comedy. Yeah,
0: a lot of people disappear when they hit the store. <laughs> but the store, if you're, uh, it's like a frat house. You you, There's a hazing process. Yeah, but there's no structure. Right, there's and there's a
1: system in place, but there's no structure. It's like it's all in constant flux, and it there's people. A guy got shot there. I don't mean it. Yeah, no, it's. I mean, it's a. It, but you
0: know, the store is so strong that a day later it was open. And yeah, packed. We'll um, put a guy
1: out front to check IDs, and uh, yeah. be the end of it. Well, I mean, it, I it was an, a pro thing. It wasn't a random.
0: Yeah, act. I mean, it was had nothing to do with the comedy store. It just, uh, y- you know, just so happened that it was the. Guy's last stop on his night, and if he went to Saddle Ranch, it would happen there. uh, That's not a
1: bad way as far as your exit after a comedy show, all abrupt. That's probably Uh, maybe next to sex is laughing, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'd be shot in the back of the head eating a bowl of spaghetti.
0: Well, I mean, I get a sexual high from comedy, but
1: you know. You get aroused from doing comedy?
0: I I don't say I get a boner, but I mean, like, you know, when you You get your mojo. When you get uh when you Joe Rising yeah. hey now. <laughs> when you get a, a good punchline off and you hear that laughter Oh dude it's there's no it's like the only thing I've ever experienced close to that other than coming is when I was a kid and I used to play a lot of golf and when you hit that perfect golf shot it's just a feeling you can't
1: it's and unbelievable. And uh, I want to talk. Some women don't understand that if you're involved in a relationship and you have this this thing that makes you feel like they can't make you feel. It can be a little bit of a power struggle sometimes.
0: I mean, I've uh, lost every girlfriend to comedy. Uh, yeah. But, uh, you know, it's a business. It's, uh, you know, it's a wacky business. But you know that going into it. So,
1: yeah. Uh, you y- the uncertainty is part of the charm too isn't it yeah it's you't mind your nine to five job where you go in and punch a clock and i'd rather do what we do yeah it's badass uh, but you've come up through the store yeah, I mean
0: but it was a long struggle, basically fifteen years dude
1: uh, i i've been hanging out in uh, los angeles i've been here off and on about seven years, and there's been a whole change of guard and so there's the whole thing that's it's not an open door policy down there.
0: Well, but I mean, I think it's the best time in the world for for people who weren't in like you. Yeah, there's may there's an opportunity. Like uh, you, I
1: was listening to your show uh, with Tommy and uh, and also with Red Band and talking about the the being misled and and just the whole thing, uh, the time that you'd spent there didn't reflect uh, what you were getting in return.
0: Yeah. Oh, like, absolutely. And I never wanted to be past there because I hung out there a lot. Yeah. I mean. Uh, I mean there's a lot of people who have that mindset well I've been here for five years well, yeah yeah they're entitlements. you don't go anywhere else like i i yeah. mean, i'm sp- there's one particular person uh who uh he he thinks that he should have been passed over me because he's been up there longer uh and he's a funny dude but it's like dude you literally don't get up anywhere else yeah and it's not a social club it's like you, you got to
1: work it. No, and you know well enough it, that as magical as that place is, it can also be very toxic and, and hindering. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, it's, a, it's like free range animals on that patio. You yeah. never know. There's fucked up people. So now yet. they're checking IDs. But before, there's no gate or, you know, it's just an open bar on sunset. So people walk along. You get all kinds of fucking weirdos. Oh, I,
0: th- you know, I tell people the, the best way to describe the comedy store, and I mean this in a complimentary way. Because it's the greatest club on earth to me. Mm. But it's like the bar in Star Wars. Yeah. You've got... <coughs>
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> you might even see Chewbacca in the corner making the Kessel Run. Uh, it's every unsavory character in L.A. and certainly every unsavory comic uh, just trying to get in there. And like,
1: world-class talent all. Yeah. Like you've
0: got like, some open micer bullshitting his credits to you and then yeah. Russell Peters walks in. Yeah and uh or Mark Marin or or Bill Burr and then guys like uh, you and me who you know are, are uh established but we're not established yeah, and, uh so there's
1: familiar but not uh right. we don't have the key to the house
0: uh, so uh it's just a a potpourri of of yeah. all levels of comedy and and everyone's trying to get fucked up there you know mm-hmm. it's the most like you go to the improv it's, it's more a of a feeding frenzy of Madness. Yeah, I've, I've lost every girlfriend I've ever had to that place. Uh, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I don't
1: even. If I get involved with anybody, I don't bring their own comics anymore. I'm done. You
0: can't. I mean, they're just too. Oh, Earl's a great guy. Where is he? Oh, you want to go up to the belly room, Jennifer? Yeah. Uh, you know, come on your hair. Yeah. Oh, I, we love Earl. He's, he's one of the funniest dudes up here. Uh, you want to go in oh, my car? Boom, oh. boom, boom. So. Yeah.
1: There's there's no camaraderie.
0: I mean, I've never been like that, uh, but because you know, no, vol- it's a weak move. Well, I, I, I believe in a guy code. Uh, like, if you were dating the most attractive girl on earth to me, but let's say big tits and loved 80s metal, uh, you know, I wouldn't... You know, I love you. So I'm like, that's Jason's girl. Yeah. So, but that's... Yeah, you,
1: you don't want to choose baggage over your friendship. Well, I mean,
0: it's the oldest, corniest saying in the, in the world, but it, I do... Rose before hose, but I yeah. mean, I do believe in that, but uh mm-hmm. you know, I don't know if a lot of people do, and so this
1: city's probably a worst case scenario for that oh it's uh, oh, it's awful, I mean, uh desperate, clingy, well, they
0: want what you want they they want what you have, yeah you know and and you know, so it's like but you know mm-hmm. what are you gonna do mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs>
1: fucking cocksuckers. i know <laughs> Look, but there's know. so much it's it, again cuz you're anomaly, i've, I've been lucky enough to know you for a, a, a little while now and uh and again uh, uh you do your own thing and yet you are you're, you're in the middle you're in the eye of the tornado
0: yeah yeah i mean i don't do comedy for the fame or money yeah. i certainly want I yeah. just want to do comedy in front of crowds. What
1: uh, do you have like a, a country or a place or is there some place like that you're looking at? Is not even as far as like a, a career move, but as as far as a, a, a place to stand and do what you do. Any place in the world, where would you do?
0: Oh, L. A. You know, yeah. I mean, but in in some ways, L. A. is the worst city in the world to. I started here. It's definitely the worst city to start comedy in because you're. You know, you're dealing with people like you who are established worldwide. So you come to L.A. to, to <laughs> be disappointed. But I mean, you're a, an amazing comic. So it like like the talent level here is like I would be on an open mic with someone like, say, you who.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah Had yeah, honed yeah. your craft elsewhere. Yeah. You're, so well, you're dealing with superstar. You're dealing yeah. with the biggest stars in the world. And then it works back there from you. Yeah. Ta- talent is about 10 down. Oh, absolutely! Right. I think that uh,
0: it's from. This is probably my sixteenth full year in comedy. The start of my sixteenth year. I would say that talent is fifteen to twenty percent of it. Yeah. The rest is who you know, a little bit of luck. Uh, I mean, you watch any late night show that has stand up on. I can name twenty comics usually funny, or or I should say just as funny as that person on the TV. Yeah.
1: TV ready. You could call them within a day. They could have a set together to do a television. Oh yeah, I set. mean,
0: but a lot of comics, it's just. Uh, they're but that socially doesn't really
1: doesn't carry like the, the television stuff now. I really look at look at the YouTube mural next to the store.
0: Yeah. Oh, no, absolutely. Like my friend uh, Whitney Rice, she's a really funny comic. She's a YouTube animal. I mean, she cranks out videos and and. Uh, it's very consistent, and uh, you know she uh, she's like the new way to go about making it. Uh, yeah, is she creates her own content, and uh, you know versus. I mean, I still want to get on TV just because it, it just makes you more marketable. But it's definitely you're right; it doesn't mean the same.
1: Yeah, it's it's an odd dynamic now. I've met girls that are Instagram stars. Yeah. Oh the And they and they're hot, but they there's nothing going on.
0: Well that one girl on Vine, uh she was an open micer. She was hot, you know, big tits. Yeah. And she was always nice to me. Uh but to do a Vine video with her, if you want her and your Vine video, it's ten grand. What? Yeah. Because 'Cause she's got like what? millions. <laughs> yeah, it's That's but it insane. works because yeah. Whitney had a show on, uh, I forget the name of the network, called The Tiny, Tiny Talk Show. It's mm-hmm. pretty funny. It, it,
1: Whitney Cummings. No, Whitney Rice. Whitney Rice.
0: Uh, and it's, uh, it was a talk show, and everything was little on it. So you have this beautiful girl, and she's sitting in a chair that's probably meant for a five-year-old. The little desk. Right. Carson-style uh, set, but right, miniature. Right, but like made for a midget. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> she had this girl on as a guest. And literally uh, on Whitney's Instagram, and uh, uh, she got like hundreds, I I think a few thousand new followers just from this girl being on her show, on a semi-unknown
1: network. It's so amazing. Well, you know, I think best case scenario in our realm is, uh, you know, what Joe Rogan's done with his podcast.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, that's... He's filling uh, seats, theaters. Yeah, I mean... Wherever. Well, he's got a great gig because, you know, like you had a UFC gig last weekend uh, in Orlando. So, you know, he's got to be down there Friday to do the weigh-ins, which they uh it's, it's like a big deal now the mm-hmm. weigh-ins and uh and then that night he does the theater. Yeah, it's a perfect setup. Saturday does the UFC, Sunday's in LA.
1: Yeah, he totally manifested the the dream career for himself. Oh yeah, no. You like know
0: what I mean, Marin to me doesn't
1: uh, need TV. That's the no. most no, oh yeah. best position to be in.
0: Well, I mean, Rob Schneider gave me the best advice, you know, this is and you open for Rob. Yeah, I it's, it's still do periodically. And he has something
1: on uh, Netflix now, doesn't he?
0: But that goes to show you the value of credits. Like, I'm in two episodes of his show on Netflix called Real Rob, mm-hmm. and I've already gotten better gigs. That's cool. And I'm not even, uh, like, th- literally the scene in episode number two is I'm getting a blowjob behind a counter, <laughs> and the girl's boyfriend walks in, and yeah. we just kind of all look at each other. Yeah. I don't have a... Uh, a line.
1: Yeah, you just mug for the camera. Yeah, and uh, and then and the you've gotten work off of that. Must be a good <coughs> uh, a good show.
0: Well, I don't even. Th- oh, it's a great show. I mean, it, it's uh, Rob had a really funny show on uh, CBS. I think it was just called Rob, and, uh, and Cheech was in it, and uh, this huge uh, Hispanic actor, Eugenio, uh who's like a, like soap opera actor? Yeah, something? like in Mexico, he's yeah. like the Tom Cruise. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. Uh, it, the that's a whole different thing too yeah yeah but he's like uh, in Mexico he's probably almost as known as Rob mm-hmm. which is crazy but I the ratings were good it's just I think there was some politics in play and uh, Rob was just like fuck it I'm gonna make my own show yeah I mean, he pay, paid for he he self-financed it and uh, now it's a big hit on Netflix that's great that's so, great well hopefully
1: uh, you get some reoccurring blowjobs
0: Yeah, it was great. And it was the girl, that was the funniest part. So, you know, you've been on TV sets and film sets. Mm -hmm. Like, we've got what they call the lob on you, which is basically a little mic that picks up your lines and they hide it in your shirt. Yeah. And originally she was just supposed to be kissing me on the cheek and the boyfriend walks in. And right before we start the scene, she's like, you foot sweeper. She's like, hey, do you think it would be funny if instead of just kissing you, right before he walks in, I'm blowing you? Do you think Rob would have a problem with that? And of course, it's being picked up on her mic. <laughs> so you just hear Rob, who's off camera, going, Yeah, Earl, that's fine.
1: <laughs> so they kept it. Yeah. She threw you. A, yeah, it a was a great idea. scene. And it worked out fine. What that's was the alternative to you getting blown? Just oh, her kiss. kissing oh. me on the cheek. Yeah. And,
0: uh, you know, the boyfriend walks in. And, you know, it's basically the same look for either. You know, it was like, what the fuck? That's my girlfriend. Yeah. So she comes up. She comes up. Oh, hi, honey, and kisses him on the cheek. Kisses oh, him no, on the cheek. No. And, uh, it's <laughs> that's stupid. Way, that's very funny. But uh
1: you want to do more, more of that kind of. I mean, I would stuff?
0: love to do stuff like that. You know, I I'm not. Like I did a pilot, and this goes to the other end of the business of of uh, this pilot. Like was the next Always Sunny in Philadelphia, and it just it did it never aired, and. uh You know, it was just a great ensemble cast of unknown actors and comics. And uh, I was definitely the least experienced uh, actor in the group. But I probably stole every scene I was in because it was just one or two lines. Yeah. So I can do shit like that.
1: punch, you know.
0: Yeah, it was just like uh, one scene was that we're at the water cooler and uh, three or four of them are drinking water and I'm sucking on a lollipop.
1: Do you you have to – I have to do this sometimes when I do do some small parts or – tv or film and i have to reassess my dialogue with people because they're not stand-up comedians you're on a, pr- a movie set these people are you know various uh tiers of uh of uh um, control of the project and comics say heinous shit constantly and some grip doesn't really appreciate that all the time
0: yeah that's probably why i got kicked out of the groundlings but uh, <laughs> really yeah i was a whole you got st- kicked out Yeah, I told the teacher to fuck off at the end.
1: (laughs) When you were jacked?
0: Yeah, man. He he totally... (laughs) It was like, uh, you know, the way the groundlings work... Well, let me me just tell that pilot story super fast. It it regards the mics. And I was a little green when we shot this because this is a huge production. I mean, they filmed it at uh, Santa Clarita Studios, which is a major movie studio and we were on the set of franklin and bash which was a big it's a big big sitcom on uh tbs and uh so it was like it was overwhelming i mean uh and so the one of the guys comes up to me and goes hey earl i fucked the makeup girl last night and not really realizing that we're live i'm like you fucked julie the makeup girl that's crazy how tight was her pussy And I look up, and I see the makeup girl just glaring at me. Oh, no. Because she had a earpiece on, no, and I'm like, Oh, no. Did you say Julie or Janet? And uh, so watch out. When you're on a set, <laughs> watch out for those hot mics.
1: <laughs> How tight was her pussy? Yeah. That's your opener.
0: And the director, the producer, yeah. they're all hearing it. They're like, uh, Earl, let's take five.
1: People forget they go take a piss. Yeah. Make a phone call this fucking cocksucker yeah. at the catering.
0: But I was lucky enough to everyone, you know, they didn't fire me. But on uh, the ground lines, you know, how it works is uh, at that time, you know, it's 12 classes. At the sixth class, at the end of it, they give you an evaluation. And uh, so at the end of the sixth class, the guy's like, hey, you're the funniest guy in class. Um, you're the team leader. Everyone loves you. You just need to work a little bit on your space work. Now, space work at the Groundlings and, I guess, improv in general is like...
1: Miming shit?
0: Yeah, if there's a scene where you're drinking a beer, you have to have your hand like there's an actual beer mug Way in into it, it. and you know And, you know, you, or you if you're on a phone call, you just don't go the, the cowabunga. You actually, you know, hold in your hand or try and make it seem like there's an actual phone in your hand. And I probably did need help with that. <laughs> But so, I th- so s- uh, sessions 6 through 12, I went so above and beyond with my space work, and it was still really funny. Yeah. and uh, Exaggerated space uh, Oh, work. yeah. It was un- uh, insane. So Were you th-
1: screaming, flailing your arms and shit?
0: I did what I had to. Okay. And so the end of the 12th session, the guy's like, you know, the guy basically told me at the end of the sixth session, you're going to get passed. You just need to work on your space work. That's all you need to do. Mm-hmm. And into the 12th session, he just looks at me as close as you and I are together right now. and goes, you know, you're not good enough to do this, right? <laughs> Your teacher says, this. yeah, I'm like, well, what happened to uh, six episodes ago? I was the team leader, funniest guy in class. He's yeah. like, well, you can repeat the class if you want to. I'm like, fuck off. He's yeah. like, you can leave now because how, basically how
1: many days were you in, in the class? Well,
0: was it's 12. Uh, it's two a week. So it's a six week course back then. Yeah. I don't know what it's like now. uh, But it's kind of like a a pyramid scheme because the way it works, at least then, and it's been 10 years, so I I don't know what it's like now, Is like there's, at the time there was three levels, one, two, and three, the writing class, and then the performance group. So basically five levels. But if no one leaves the performance group, no one from the writing group goes up, and, and so on and so forth. So they just have you repeat the class over and over again. I'm like, well...
1: It's uh, like a, a financial hazing.
0: Yeah, and it's like, and at the time it was like eight hundred dollars. I'm like, well, if I'm good enough to pass, I mean, uh, I'm not saying I'm good enough to be in the performance group because I wasn't. But yeah. So, uh, you know, and one girl got to, to go to the next level because she was fucking another teacher. Yeah. And, uh, so what, it, I, what it's a, a re- pig. Well, yeah. I mean, it's a re-
1: <laughs> <laughs> the teacher or the girl. <laughs> was she gross? Uh,
0: well, no, she was one up She was probably She's hot. No, um, no, she was cute. She was probably like. My best friend in the class, because we just uh, got along.
1: How many Groundlings teachers that you think that are do Groundlings classes just so they can fuck dumb girls that come off a bus? How many girls do you think that take a bus from their town, fly in from all over the world to do Groundlings, do Santa Live, end up pulling a condom out of their asshole at 4 in the morning?
0: Probably more than (laughs) care to admit it. But it was a (laughs) wild group, like my – Oh, yeah. We had like a – like a girl in her fifties who clearly, <laughs> <laughs> like, she was a little late to the party. Oh no! Uh, I am retired
1: now, so I'm gonna get my show business career. Together. Yeah,
0: and it was like you kind of felt bad. And she was insane. And she wasn't very good. She didn't
1: change her diaper uh, on the floor in front of the group.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but she was very delusional. She's cool. Yeah. But it's like, oh, honey, this is you're a little late in the party for <laughs> she's this. She's
1: wearing red lipstick, like she's fucking twenty again. Yeah,
0: it's just It's over, Johnny. Uh, and then you had this pro boxer who was, I think he left after the fourth class because he was like, he wouldn't take the criticism. Was like yeah, he, vulnerability is key. He was like, Luke, the teacher. I'll
1: fucking knock you. What did you uh, say? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 The yeah.
0: teacher. And he, I'll give the teacher this. He was an amazing improver. His name was Sean Hogan. He was almost like the Brody Stevens of, of the, the Groundlings. Uh, he was just, he was great. Mm-hmm. But he was just. You could tell he was a little bitter, and it's like, hey, dude, don't, like, oh, bring I, that. En- I get it. I'm sorry you haven't made it yet, but don't take it out on me. You know, either I'm good enough to do it or I'm not, but don't bullshit me and then, oh, yeah, give us another 800 and you'll get better. Yeah. So, uh, but it was a wild. I, I wish it would have ended better because I did get, uh, I did get um, benefit from it because my stand-up improved because it made me more aware and, like...
1: This uh, is what I don't want to do. Yeah, These but, are the kind of people I don't want to work with.
0: You know, I think I'm better off me in an audience versus... I can be a team player. You know, mm-hmm. like on that pilot I did, you know, it, it was... Uh, I mean, there's some established character actors in it that I'd seen on TV. I was like, oh, wow, this guy's in this. I, I better, like... But uh, I like being one-on-one.
1: Yeah, it's... I I was considering music before I got into comedy. I was looking at music and comedy as potentially something I'd like to, be, you know, maybe chase. Right. And then I started hanging out with a lot of bands and saw the conflict. And this guy's girlfriend's pregnant. This guy doesn't show up for practice. You know, drug problems, what have you. And I said, fuck that. I'm just going to do comedy. It's so freeing. There's no, yeah, you, yeah. you don't have to, if you're late or it's all on, everything's on you. That, a, that appeals.
0: I love it, and it's good or bad. I mean, like, you have a great set, you're the toast of the fucking club. Yeah. Because you had the great set. But uh, if you have a bad set, no one wants to talk to you. Because, like, you can be in a bad band and, you know, you can power through it. You know, you could look behind you and blame the drummer for having shitty timing or the bass player yeah. for not knowing the parts. If you have a bad set, uh, you can't really look back at the curtain. Did you
1: even watch um, Chappelle, show, the club lately. Uh, he's uh, He's been popping yeah. around a lot. He's I saw great. him a couple nights ago. He was outstanding. Standing ovation on and off.
0: But we get along because, like, you know, everyone goes up to him. Oh, you're my favorite comic. You're this, you're that. And I get it. I mean, it is exciting to see, like, yeah, probably. Yeah, he's aware of it. He knows. The greatest comic of our generation. Like, you're sitting with him in the kitchen. Yeah, and, uh, having a cigarette. I had mentioned to him one night about the legendary uh, New York Street comic, uh, Charlie Barnett. Yeah, I was watching some of his stuff on YouTube. Dude, this guy, uh, if you don't know his story... Is he dead, or...? He died, I i, I don't know. I, in all seriousness, I want to say it was of AIDS, but I'm i am not sure.
1: Uh, he. How many of your people that you know died of AIDS?
0: Um, I've known a few <laughs> people just through living in West Hollywood who died. Uh, I mean, the guitar player from Rat died of AIDS, uh, Robin Crosby, and... Uh, I believe Charlie Barnett did, but I might be wrong on his death. Uh but he was he got an audition for Saturday Night Live where it was basically he he got it, but he couldn't read. So on the final callback, uh he didn't show up because he was like, I'm I remember hearing he was something scared. about that. He ah. he couldn't he was uh, either dyslexic yeah, or yeah, he, yeah. Uh, he and uh, he got scared and then Eddie Murphy got the part. Wild. So, and he would have been just as big as Eddie Murphy. He was. I um, heard he had that kind of charisma. Uh, if it, you know, you were lucky enough to see him in New York. There was an area on the streets of New York, the fountain, and it was like no one could fill it up because it was, just, it was just you know a fountain, and and he was one of the very few people I think outside of Chappelle who would fill up that area, and like Jeff Ross and Chappelle both look up to him as like
1: holding court in yeah. New York City. How how. How many million distractions are going on in everybody's mind that you can do comedy outside next to a fountain? And like you know, he ended up with a few. Like he was in a movie called
0: DC Cab.
1: Yeah, I remember that. I went and saw that in the theater. Yeah, with uh, Mr. T was in it, Mr. Wasn't?
0: T, the Barbarian Brothers, and yeah. uh, Bill Mar. It must have been Bill Maher's first gig ever. Yes. Paul Rodriguez. Yes. And
1: uh, I thought it was cool. Mr. T got his cab gold plated. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, I mean, you know, come on. Art imitates life. But uh, you might know Charlie Barnett because in Miami Vice, he played a great character, a recurring character called the Noog Man. Let the Noogie Boogie. Where he played that. uh They a, would always pair him with this other
1: Informant? He was an informant.
0: He was an informant, and they would always pair him with Izzy, who was like this bullshitting Hispanic character, and they had great chemistry. and. Uh, like Lenny and Squiggy from yeah, Laverne and Shirley? T- completely. Okay. And, uh, and that was probably the last thing he did, uh, and then he, b- which is a crime that, you know, they probably would have worked around his lack of reading skills if he just would have sh- – he was brilliant. So uh, I, I mentioned that to Chappelle one night. And he kind of – you could tell he dug having a conversation that wasn't just you're the greatest, oh, my God.
1: Yeah, Some. somebody he's a fan of. Yeah, so – it's hard to top a lot of people don't know that he's very charismatic nice guy he's awesome dude. you
0: think <laughs> a guy like that uh i mean i guess you could say chris rocks in the conversation is being one of the greats uh of this generation but you'd think they'd kind of be dicks and dave no. will go into the comedy store kitchen and start playing jazz on his uh this system they have in the kitchen and just enjoy being around other comics and, and the bartenders and People who who just treat him like he's normal. Yeah,
1: Russell Peters. Same oh thing. my god,
0: Russell Peters is like, he. I mean, he's so nice. You're like, this guy can't be that nice.
1: It's <laughs> just, there's got to be something. <laughs> no. hey, I've known him for I don't know eighteen, seventeen years now. He's he's always been the same dude. But like, you you can't. It's not even a joke. Anybody who's known him would reflect that. You know,
0: you literally can't be more successful than Russell is. It's, no. Impossible.
1: Actually, I, well, we were there for 4th of the July. July. Yeah, we started, me and my friends started singing, oh, Canada on the balcony. Everyone got pissed.
0: Well, I mean, it was a very, uh, <laughs> I love the, uh, the,
1: the. the I brought in a bunch of bands.
0: You brought in the bands, and then there was Russell's rapper friends. Yeah, it and was then, so eclectic. You know, you had like, it was like a prison yard. Like, you had all these different groups intermingling, and, you know, c- certain celebrities, and, and uh great party,
1: you know. Yeah, man. Did you go to the New Year's one last or three years ago? Uh, I
0: wasn't. I mean, I don't know. I don't want to say I wasn't invited, but I didn't. Uh, I, you yeah. know, I, I mean, I, I don't like showing up unless I'm invited. I think totally. if I showed you, up. You've
1: lived in this city enough to know. Fuck that.
0: I think if I showed up, he wouldn't like, you gotta no. leave, dude. Uh, but uh, I, I, you know, like the Fourth of July party's like, girl come kind of to my house. Yeah, man. Did you bring a date? Uh, no, no, I had uh, I think uh, it was my ex-girlfriend was the bartender that night. That's right. So I had, uh, you know, uh, but uh, no, I did not. It I was a good time. Yeah, yeah. it mean, was great. Uh, great. Mike Favorman cooking a gr- very funny comic oh, and cooking uh, the grill. And uh, how
1: much meat did you eat at the party? <laughs> <laughs> just
0: want to make sure I got. am at a two hour meter. I just. Oh yeah, we're cool. We're cool. But it
1: was weird that there would be some like really nice looking, rich girls. I think they were friends of friends, and they had. They didn't want anything to do with us. Oh yeah, how talented we were.
0: It literally was like a prison yard. Like you had these hot like done up whores. But I don't. I don't <laughs> I didn't know if they were. But. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Hot horse. they were expensive. And then if they
0: were, you had you and your fucking band, like yeah, all hail the yeti. All yeah, you know, just like
1: the, all these kids with tattoos, all over the rock and rollers, yeah. <laughs> and you had yeah, world class DJs,
0: the black uh, rapper, you know, types there. Yeah, and like then, real
1: famous rappers. Yeah, like you know, Those I don't want to say their names because yeah. you
0: know, and and some A list celebrity A-list actors type. there, and then. You know, guys like me. You and know. just
1: riffraff and, and everybody, everybody just gels. It just works. He just oh, attracts yeah. those kind of people, you know. But, you know, I think
0: that being in that kind of environment gives us all hope because Russell at one point was a struggling comic. It's Most crazy definitely. to think that. Yeah. But, uh, you know. Yeah,
1: th- definitely. And, and de- Motivated. To have that, high, that level of success and not be a cunt on top of it is like, cool, I can achieve these kind of things. And not be a fucking dick at the end of it. Yeah, and you, you know, you
0: know, uh, you know. I think the first time I met him, someone had, uh, we bonded like almost like the Chappelle, Charlie Barnett thing, where you know, obviously Russell plays ho- hockey arenas and stadiums, and and uh, you know, uh, I'm sure he's. I mean, everyone loves to be told, "Oh my God, you're my favorite comic." You know, blah blah blah. But we bonded over our mutual love of Kiss. Yeah, I know. And a
1: lot of people don't know he's a massive Kiss fan. Massive
0: Kiss fan, and uh, he likes the
1: '80s era. He uh, pulled the dolls out of his closet like a, um, not a dirty secret. But he goes, "A lot of people don't know this, but I fucking love this shit." And he had to kiss yeah. the, the dolls.
0: And uh, we bonded over 20 one years ago. You know, particular member uh, of Kiss, the great Vinnie Vincent, who was a you know maligned character, but uh, I mean, he got kicked out of the Vinnie Vincent invasion, which. Just goes to show you how crazy he is. His name is Vinnie Vincent. It's his band. He got kicked out of his own yeah. band,
1: and they S- continued to tour. Well, what, he, what, what he, was he a drummer?
0: He, no, he was a g- great guitar player. I Did mean, he sing at all? Or? Uh, he um he has but great songwriter for that era. Mm. Uh, he was a guitar player in Kiss when they kicked out Ace Frehley. And I think Gene Ace is
1: a mess, though, isn't he?
0: Yeah. Oh, well, was ba- he homeless for a while? Uh, I wouldn't surprise me. You know, you pulled a Margot Kidder. Yeah, he, he went off the grid. He went 50, 150 for a bit, but you know, th- this is the guy they brought in to bri- uh, replace Ace. And because uh, I think in about 82, 83, you could see the musical landscape was changing from you know Ace Frehley, Jeff Beck type of playing to shredders. You know the Randy Rhodes, Van Halen, Jakey e. Lee. I
1: dig. Uh, I know it's a little more modern for your taste, but uh, John Five.
0: Oh yeah, John Five's great. He played on a couple David Lee Roth
1: albums and uh, Katie Lang. Yeah, he's he's the, I uh, Lang. very
0: much appreciate John Five. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I think another Gene
1: sober guy, never dragged. North yeah, no one shows. He's yeah, successful and
0: you know. Uh, so Vinny c- came in. He was basically rescued Kiss's career because they were pretty dead in the water in America. It just you know wasn't happening anymore, and uh, he. Uh, he gave him a boost and then he was kicked out of Kiss like three times in a year and a half. <laughs> but he was so good, they kept bringing him back. Who, he was just Ace? Vinny.
1: Oh, Vinny, yeah. Uh, uh,
0: he was just out of his mind. And, you know, he wrote, like, he basically wrote Lick It Up was a Vinny Vincent solo album. He wrote like nine of the ten songs. And that was without makeup. Yeah, that was like the big deal.
1: I remember seeing that album. My friend, he was a Kiss fan. And then, because you go through them and it would look terrible. Well, they should look like a, it looked like lost boys. Yeah. They look like lost boys. Well, he
0: he was actually the last full member uh in makeup. He uh, cuz when he joined the band they were still in makeup and uh he had the Egyptian ankh on his face, the gold symbol, and it was a really cool design. Who? Uh, a- Benny. Uh, and then they took the makeup off and then uh, Lick It Up was a huge hit and i think he was more or less like hey listen i i just rescued you guys i want to be paid as a full member and they're like uh nah, that's not how it works dude this is kiss you didn't form this band you just play the songs and so that was like where the problem started that's
1: how a lot of guys go bankrupt you know they're not on the point system with the band and when the band sells the record they get you no know, they're hired gun
0: well i think that was his problem uh, you know uh i think uh members of kiss and and after that were more or less like hey we're in kiss yeah we'll be hired guns uh but vinnie was like i wrote eight of the ten songs Uh, my songs are getting played on the radio Uh, no i'm not going to get paid a thousand bucks a week i want (laughs) publishing and
1: there's a lot of that a lot of those festivals in europe and and around the world a lot of those bands are not getting paid They've they've flown in from other countries and they're not even getting accommodations or anything there's so much of that in fucking business where they, you get fucking your asshole pounded.
0: Oh, well, that's what I love about Lemmy and Motorhead is Lemmy's the, the principal songwriter, but he cuts the other two guys out. Yeah. Because in his mind, it's like, all right, Mickey, well, you did the drum parts that fit the song.
1: You got to so go on tour with these guys. You don't want them hating your guts because they're fucking working for peanuts.
0: Yeah, well, that's what ended up happening with Vinny and Kiss, and then Vinny was like, well, fuck you guys. Uh, and he was probably boistered by a little... Like, well, my songs are being played, not yours and Paul's. So he formed the Vinnie Vincent Invasion. And they uh, they had two pretty successful albums, but then he was just out of control. So he, he got kicked out of the band, and uh, Slaughter basically formed from the Vinnie Vincent band.
1: What are some of the most disastrous shows you've seen by some of your favorite artists? Just where it's all falling apart. Um, and... I mean, there's been a few kiss shows I went at
0: with Peter Chris drumming on the reunion tour where uh, he was uh, <laughs> <laughs> facing the wrong way. I mean, it's like, I don't, I'm not a musician, so I don't like criticizing any musician because I can't play. But even to my ear, it was like, he's behind the rest of the band. And it's literally after every song, or in the, I should say, Ugh. in the middle of every song, Gene, Paul, and Tommy, and sometimes Ace, because Ace would kind of go in and out in the 90s and 2000s with KISS, they'd look back and either they were telling him speed up or slow down. And it's like, if I, as a non-musician, can pick it out, out, it's not good. Yeah. So, uh, and then there's been a couple, uh, you know, I love him to death. I'm seeing him this Saturday at the Whiskey. He's one of my highest-rated episodes ever on Inappropriate Earl. Stephen Piercy from Rat.
1: Rat shows coming up. Well, it's not how, Rat. How it's often just, does he play? It's just him,
0: but, but he basically plays I'm Rat excited songs. Excited about this. I love I'm, it.
1: I've, I've listened to your show enough to know that Rat is a reoccurring theme in your show, and and you, you're smiling even more if I bring it up. You love Rat. Well, I just like them. They they uh, I
0: saw them in their prime, so that's my first memory of them as a prime Rat. Uh, now, that was,
1: that was a, a very bold thing for him to have his hair permed on one side. Yeah. Shaved. Uh, yeah.
0: Like, you know, he, was, he knew what time it was. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> hey, I like
1: round and round. Right, who well, doesn't?
0: I grew up like they were very lucky because as soon as they popped MTV popped. And oh, so yeah. they got the rub of the, the, the round and round video was it's got to be one of the, their more played videos uh, of all time. I mean, that mm-hmm. thing was on twice an hour and then uh of course milton burrow was in it and then milton burrow was in their second video uh back for more and they also had tawny katane and and uh a few of their videos because she was going out with the guy who en- ended up uh, passing away and uh so i got to see them on all cylinders i mean now it's kind of embarrassing the b- the, drummer, the most
1: violent shows you've been to where people have been knocked out
0: <laughs> a motorhead for sure <laughs> Motorhead. Seen the, I've seen uh, Motorhead in the Ventura Theater, which is like going to a Nazi rally. Uh, <laughs> I'll never forget. <laughs> what? It, it was. What? What venues? Is uh, the Ventura Theater? Where's that? Uh, I don't, in Ventura, you know, okay, uh, the, the county of Ventura. Uh, and it was a Sunday night, and it was a mosh pit of all mosh pits. Uh, all hell's
1: breaking loose.
0: All hell's breaking loose. It was another Kiss song Vinnie Vincent wrote.
1: Shaved heads.
0: That was, by the way, getting back to Kiss for two. two... On the kids. So I, uh, basically, and uh, I just remember there was this one skinhead. He had to have been about six, seven, six, eight, Huge, huge guy. Yeah. He just stood in the middle and no one went near him. Like no. It was like he was Jesus. No yeah, one yeah, even. You didn't want to get an arm's length of that. Yeah, but it was just great because he was just watching the show.
1: That's insane.
0: And uh, just girls fighting. That's an LA
1: situation. If that was any else in the world, he would have been destroyed by the audience.
0: I don't know if this guy would have. Really? You, you got the feeling that. Uh, He'd just start pulling heads off of kids? In any country in the world, this guy would not have been messed with. I've never seen a more intimidating. girl
1: is saying that?
0: I've never seen a more intimidating presence in really? my life than this guy. I mean. With he-
1: a Bob Marley shirt on? <laughs> <laughs>
0: he had a Liberace <laughs> Tour shirt
1: one high heel and a yeah. black eye. I take it in the ass. <laughs> you will, up. too, if you piss just, me off. He's just raping people in the in the pit.
0: But it was, uh, I. you know, I don't go to a lot of um, violent shows uh, just because I, I lean more toward the uh, softer hairspray. hairspray. You're not going to see Cinderella fans in a mosh. I, although I will say at Twisted Sister uh, at the House of Blues, they did a Christmas show. And it's a great Christmas album. They do all these classic Christmas songs, Jingle Bells. Really? uh, I Saw Mommy, Kissing Santa Claus, uh, Silent Night. But they do them to the theme of their songs. So I think Oh Come All Ye Faithful is done.
1: They weird all Yankee Vicky?
0: Yeah, but no. They sing Oh Come All Ye Faithful word for word, but they do it to the music of We're Not Going to Take It.
1: Ah. Okay, they've yeah. retooled the whole lyric. Yeah,
0: so they do, like, I Wanna Rock was, I think, like, uh, or Jingle Bells was done to I Wanna Rock. Yeah. Uh, and there was a mosh pit for some reason at this show. And uh, it, was, it wasn't the most violent.
1: You, uh, there's a video online of Chris Cornell doing a Metallica's one. Right. With U2's one lyrics over top of it.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, I love stuff like that. Yeah. I love covers. It
1: fits. Yeah, yeah. I've always like I enjoy different takes on classic songs that I like.
0: Like that's one of the things I love about Stephen Percy. He, uh, here we go. No, no, he does. Are covers. we gonna get out of the basement? No, no he, <laughs> he,
1: he loves Judas Priest. Hey, so. do you want to play some Rat? On the show? Like, what do you mean? Would you want to hear a song?
0: Oh, uh, I mean, uh, yeah, but they, dude, it's a publishing rights, dude. They'll shut it down. My, I, the,
1: if I play music on iTunes, they'll shut it down.
0: Yeah, because uh, they'll. Uh, erase the episode. I did it once really? with like a uh, Vinnie Vincent. And Fuck. they're like, you have to have uh, Clarence for the music. Oh. But I think Ari Shafir, and he'd be much more eloquent on it than I do. I think some of his early podcasts, he played music and he didn't get into trouble.
1: Yeah, maybe because he's just using them as intros or something.
0: Well, I mean, I I did an intro. It wasn't a Rat song, but it was uh, it was an, I think it was like a Striper song, and uh, I I got the episode taken down.
1: I think they're reforming.
0: Uh, well, they never left. Bro. Are they still touring? It reminds me of the time they're I'm the at worst. the worst. I'm at the gym one time, and I'm a big Tubes fan. And this goes to my eclectic uh, love of music. The Tubes, she's a beauty. Uh, you know, uh, talk to you later. White punks on dope. Uh, Legendary 70s band. Uh, so I'm at the gym a couple years ago, and I, I saw my Stairmaster, and I just f- feel this presence to my right. And I turn around, and it's the singer from the Tubes, Fee Webel. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm like, oh, fuck, man. Uh, look, uh, And it just so happened that on my iPod You're listening. was the Tube She's a Beauty. And I'm like, hey, dude, look, you made a dollar off me recently. Uh, I'm a huge fan. I, I mean, the Tubes are one of my favorite bands, and, which is true.
1: Did uh, you get off on the wrong foot because of the dollar comment? No,
0: it got worse. I'm like, huge fan. I wish you guys never broke up. And he looks at me and goes, we didn't. Oh. We're playing Yucaipa this Saturday. <laughs>
1: Thanks for paying attention, asshole.
0: So, uh, But he was a good sport. And, uh, you know, I've had a few. Uh, like, I ran into C. C. DeVille one night at Mel's Diner Ooh. on Sunset. Beef jerky. Yeah, tell me about it. And uh, <laughs> oh my God, he's <laughs> He sits down there. Ne- a live
1: interview. He is. Hurray. He looks like Pumpkinhead.
0: He's great, though. Is he? He, he sits down next to me uh, at the next booth over, and there's just a little divider between us. Ah! Like, uh, yeah, he's out of his mind. Yeah. And I'm like, hey, man, I, I really loved your guy's cover of We're an American Band, because Poison did a great cover of uh, Grand Funk's We're an American Band. And he looks at me with kind of a puzzled look on his face, and he's like, Where'd you get that? The album's not out. I'm like, um, like, listen, man, I'm not going to lie to you. I downloaded it illegally. So I reach into my pocket to get a dollar just to, like, soothe the wound. Mm. And he looks at me and goes, don't worry about it, dude. That's how I get all my music. To yeah. it. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so, uh,
1: Some people get right fucked off about that. but they well, don't I understand. get it. I mean, yeah. as an
0: artist, I mean, we're both comics. Struggle. Uh, I'm not struggling, but, like, uh, whatever you want to say, yeah. we are un- unknown or... Not as known as we should be. I I feel people should. Uh, you know, I had a really bad comedy album on iTunes a couple of years ago. It was horrible. Was it bad? Uh, the material was good, but I didn't realize I had uh, a Zoom recorder. Yeah. But I didn't realize you're supposed to face it toward the audience to pick up the sound. Yeah. So I faced it towards me.
1: You record an album just off the Yeah. Scene? Oh, dude, you can, too? Yeah, yeah. No, this uh, it's standard uh, or not. Uh, it's industry standard for that kind of
0: stuff. Um, But I had the recorder facing me, so you literally just hear me doing these, what I thought was my A material back then, and you hear like maybe muffled applause because the microphone was facing the other way.
1: But I still put it out on iTunes. <laughs> and you know Oh, I think did you play a little bit of it on one of your episodes? Yeah. It's called oh. Earl
0: Alive. Ah that's and I right. totally ripped off the Kiss Alive album cover.
1: So do you want to tell through our listeners where they can find your stuff?
0: Well no, because I didn't uh I didn't uh Well I will, but uh in, in regards to this album I didn't renew a Tune Core. So literally if you buy it, I don't know who gets the money. I don't. And I didn't do it to get money, but uh, uh, but there will be a uh, an album coming maybe soon. Maybe I'm gonna do a kiss and do a re-release. You're gonna re-release that's it properly with, with, reco-
1: with laughter. Yeah, and have the the uh, the shitty album as a a, a hidden track.
0: Yeah, yeah. So uh, I mean, I'm proud of the material, but in hindsight, uh, maybe uh, it didn't sound the greatest. But uh, you know, if, if you liked my comedy, I do think that. I would have liked for you at the time to buy that album for $9. I'm sure you could have downloaded it illegally. They, but
1: where do the people find you? On EarlSkakel.com?
0: No, that's a some gay guy. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Dude, You're s- cursed. Some gay guy bought that domain name, and it's now a beauty blog.
1: But he didn't change it. The name still says, yeah, says he your he name? Yeah, he kept it as to EarlSkakel.com. I have a friend... If you Google his name, the thing that says, the first thing that comes in it says, suck Jesus' is cock. Oh, well, there you go. Know. And he does corporates and Disney stuff. I think that's why he got fired, but.
0: I'll see you on the internet. But
1: <laughs> if you want to find Do you me know, yeah, on Instagram, Twitter, I, all that stuff,
0: Instagram and Twitter, it's very simple. It's just at Earl Skakel, and that's one word, E-A-R-L. S-K-A-K-E-L. And uh, on Facebook, I'm just Earl Skakel. And uh, I do have a YouTube channel. I don't post a lot because I'm not the most technically savvy person, but it's just Earl Skakel. There's some stand-up clips. And, and your
1: uh, your podcast.
0: Podcast. Uh, see, that's why I'm so bad at promoting. I totally forgot. Oh, yeah. it's the only thing I'm doing right now. Yeah. Why not promote it? Yeah. Uh, I have a podcast called Inappropriate Earl. And it's on iTunes. And if you don't do iTunes, you can find it on SoundCloud. And it's just inappropriate, Earl. And it's, if you like 80s, uh, you know, music, there's a lot of 80s wrestling. uh, 80s wrestling had Rowdy Roddy Piper on before he passed away. Um, Singer from Rat, guitar player from Warrant, the drummer from Cinderella, the drummer from the Vinnie Vincent Invasion. And if, (laughs) when I tell people. My uh,
1: fans are going, what the fuck? No, but I'm, <laughs> I'm...
0: When people ask me, well, Earl, starter episode. I've got 97 episodes out. Yeah. Um, I just released one today with Ryan Stout, who's... Listen to it. Fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. Just a super nice dude. But people, Ryan's I, Earl, been on
1: the show. Oh, he's awesome. I mean, yeah, he's great. Just, I like, met him in South Africa. I bet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We went to the uh, the Apartheid Museum.
0: Oh, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, it was uh it was weird. Um, yeah, I mean I can imagine it's not a lot of laughs at that place. <laughs> oh no,
1: no. No, I did leave the Whoopee cushion in the car for that walk. But But uh the people can also see you at the comedy store. Comedy
0: store well, a lot I'm there tonight at one o'clock, but uh people when they uh so ninety seven episodes are over. we're not gonna listen to every episode. Do you have one you would recommend? Mm. Now if you're a comedy fan, and I would love to have you on the show. Yeah. Yeah, uh, if you're around But we'll talk. uh, Definitely. uh, If you're a comedy fan, I would highly recommend two episodes. Uh, The Tommy Morris two-part episode. If you want an
1: insight on business in this town and how mental it is, listen to those episodes.
0: Because Tommy was the old talent coordinator at the comedy store. He was a very uh, divisive character. You either loved him or hated him. Um, But selfishly, I knew whether you loved him or hated him, you would listen to it um So, I would recommend those two if you're a comedy fan. You just want to get an insight into the world of Los Angeles comedy. And if you're a music fan, even though you might not like the band, and I'm assuming most of your fans don't, um the drummer from the Vinnie Vincent Invasion, Bobby Rock, now drums for Lita Ford, uh, it was near a two hour episode. And his memory for recording details was fascinating. So, if you are in a band and you want to hear someone talk about the recording process of major albums, it, it's really, because uh, he's never really done drugs before. His memory, uh, he told a great story about, um, I know we got to wrap up, but uh, the recording of the first Vinnie Vincent album, where here he's an unknown drummer, they see his demo tape, he f- drives to L.A. in a shitty car, records the album, um, and... and Drives back to L.A. or er, I'm sorry, drives back to Texas. Mm-hmm. Vinny Vincent calls him the next day and goes, "Dude, you got to come back. Uh, I I need you to record the parts again." He's like, "Why? It sounded perfectly. Everyone loved it." He's like, "Dude, uh, you were a little off on on this section, and, and Bobby Rock is not off on any section. Whether you like his musical genre, he's an amazing drummer." Drives back to L.A. records. Drives back to Austin. Vinny calls him literally, "You got to come back and record it again." They recorded the first album three times because Vinnie's such a stickler uh, for like th- th- the most minute detail. Yeah. And at the end of the day, guess which version of the album was released? The first one. The first one. So it's it's a great insight into, you know, and they recorded in uh, I think a studio off of La Brea in Hollywood, which is where like Zeppelin recorded. So there's like. It's fascinating. Uh, so even though you might not like the Vinnie Vincent invasion, his recording stories, if you're yeah. a musician, are great. As an artist. Yeah, as an artist. Like, you know, I can watch movies for good acting if I don't like necessarily the, the storylines. So. Oh, I will
1: watch dozens of interviews of bands that I don't even like their music, but I'm curious about what their story is. Like, I, I'm i not My the
0: you know, biggest Lou Reed fan, which I know is crazy because he's a legend, mm-hmm. but I saw a documentary on him. It was fascinating because it was like, you know, g- getting to hear someone who I'm not necessarily a fan of talk about his incredible history it was, uh, you know, so, uh, you know, and cool. then the comedy store uh, a fair amount, a couple times a week, and uh, you know, uh, small chance I might be with Rob Schneider select show. So
1: cool. We'll have to uh, go see a live show sometime.
0: Oh yeah, to we'll see a metal show with we'll me is really unbelievable. We'll find
1: some middle ground on a band.
0: I doubt we will, but it still would be fun. (laughs) It's great to go see a glam metal show with me because I know everyone there. I'm like the mayor.
1: Well, my French band's coming to Los Angeles, a black metal band from Norway, if you like makeup.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, I'm open to seeing, like, you know, I was never really a Motorhead fan. Yeah. But because I dated their manager, the female manager, (laughs) Uh, get that straight (laughs) (laughs) hey I've always wanted to meet Lemmy (laughs) (laughs) I literally probably saw 50 to 100 Motorhead shows so I became a fan so I'm open to uh, the
1: extreme ends of music
0: I just like you know as you know Jason I'm not a deep thinker Mm. if you want a deep conversation about life Joe Rogan will talk to you about aliens and and uh, you know, I'd get lost in the first minute of the conversation. Mm-hmm. So I like my music, my comedy, uh, TV shows I watch to be just strictly entertaining. Yeah. So that's why my uh, taste, I mean, my musical taste, to be honest with you, is so bad <laughs> that my iPod has been stolen twice in the last month, return to me within five minutes.
1: <laughs> well, thanks for being on the show.
0: Let me tell you this. You guys listening out there?
1: (laughs) You have no idea.
0: I've met hundreds of comics, probably thousands. Mm -hmm. Agents, managers. When you add it all up, uh, if I were to quit comedy tomorrow, Jason is one of the ten under ten people I would talk to still. Uh, So he's he's a great friend. He's an amazing comic, and it's an honor to do his podcast. So uh, I I want to apologize to end the podcast. I know a lot of my musical tastes are not your fans, but I still love Jason because you'll never get anyone to come on another podcast and give a breakdown of the recording of the first (laughs) Vinnie Vincent album.
1: Thanks. Cheers, buddy.
0: Hey, as Liberace said, bottoms up.
1: (laughs) Perfect. Perfect.